Welcome to Overflow, the podcast exploring what is and is not inherently visible about those who build with Webflow. I'm Matthew Munger from the Webflow community team, and in each episode, we highlight the unique perspectives, passions, and experiences that fuel the creative mind of our guest. From Chattanooga in the United States, we're joined by senior product designer at Forge Studio, Katie Cooper. Katie enjoys making pottery and sketching when not building design systems. She recently worked on the Spark Library, which is featured in the Webflow Marketplace. In this episode, we'll hear how she loves the complexity and challenges when working on design systems for clients and the importance of staying curious even after finding an initial solution. Featuring Katie Cooper, this is Overflow. Hey, Katie, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Matt. (laughs) Glad to be here. Let's start off. Just tell us about who you are and a little bit more about yourself. I am currently a senior product designer at Forge Studio, um, which is an agency primarily focuses on product design, research, web design, designing Webflow sites, and also building them. I have been in the design industry for quite some time, probably like 10 plus years, uh, ever since I graduated college, took a couple of weird jobs, getting my chops in for mainly like illustration, branding, some even some communication stuff, and then freelance for quite some time, I think around three or four years. Of course, I've always kind of freelanced on the side through being employed, but from freelancing, I have been doing the agency life which means doing working with a lot of different clients, a lot of different people, a lot of different needs, which I think is really fun. You get to learn about um, industries you'd never probably research on your own. My career started more in visual design, doing branding, illustration. Web design was kind of an afterthought. It's like, oh, my branding clients need a website. Yeah, I'll do one for you. I did have some computer science classes in college, so it wasn't totally foreign to like build a website. But I was still like using uh, Squarespace for a lot of those. And then I discovered Webflow and I was like, wow. <laughs> so I, I can hand off a w- website and not have the client ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always do that. But um, I thought it, you had so much more control over... The design, like being able to customize it, I thought it was fascinating. I want to hear a little bit more about Forge Studios. We're remote. None of us are in one spot together. So, Mm -hmm. And what is the size of the team and the individual roles that kind of make up the agency? Yeah, we are a small team, but we're really good at what we do. And currently that's focusing on design systems. That's my special interest. That's not the only thing we do. You know, we work on a lot of products. And that might look like building from zero to one. That might look like scaling an existing product, re-architecting features to perform better, but have better user experience. And then we also do a lot of research and strategy. And depending on the project's needs, we'll also like contract out other experts to consult with us. Very cool. Where are you located and what's it like living there? I am in 
Chattanooga, Tennessee. Technically, Rossville, Georgia, it's like right on the border. You can, I could throw like a rock and I'm over in Chattanooga, so it's just easier to say. I don't get the perks of the no state income tax <laughs> being in Tennessee, which I miss because I used to live there. And then before that, I lived in Memphis, but okay. um, moved to Chattanooga because it's really beautiful. I really love the mountains. It's small. And I like that too, but I really like being around the outdoorsiness, even though I'm actually not that outdoorsy. I'm pretty indoorsy, but I, yeah, I like, I just like it. Technically in Georgia where, where you're physically located, but Chattanooga is kind of the closest, I guess, city center. So it's kind of a suburb of that. Yeah, it's very close. I mean, like even the, uh, I live on a ridge, so the houses on the other side look into Chattanooga where I look into Georgia because I'm on the other side of the street. So like, that's how close it is. Hmm. When you get out of the house, what do you, where do you like to go and visit? That's a hilarious question because I haven't been getting out much. Because <laughs> I'm usually, if I am like traveling, I'm going to visit my mom in Kentucky or I'm going to visit my partner's parents. I'm typically hanging out with my friends. We'll usually go like get cocktails somewhere, grab a beer, eat a lot of eating, drinking. There's a really cool dog park here called Play Wash Pint where you can drink while you watch your dog play with other dogs. <laughs> really like going there. And then there's a lot of great places to hike. But I don't do that as often because remember, I'm indoorsy. <laughs> but I do like to go and I'm feeling up for it. It's like everyone here is extremely active, it feels like. So they are probably mm. going every weekend, every day, rock climbing. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'll go every once in a while. <laughs> Since you are indoorsy, as you described it, what does your workspace look like? I've got my standing desk and I've had it. I, you know, I got one monitor and my laptop open. I've got a lot of art on the walls from various designers that I love and well bought their artwork. And behind me, I've got my saltwater aquarium. I only have three fish right now. It's two clownfish and a yellow wrasse, which looks like a little tiny banana. But yeah, that's one of my hobbies. So I love that. It has a lot of corals in it too. And then I used to have the, the other half of my office was a pottery studio. But just last weekend, we had an extra room downstairs that we were just basically stored or like throw <laughs> like clean laundry into that needed to be folded. So I was uh -huh. like, okay, what if I move my pottery stuff down there? So last weekend, I moved everything down mm. there and I'm getting that set up. So what are you going to yeah. do with that extra space now in the office? Well, we had a, like a random, I wouldn't really call it a couch. Like if a day couch is a thing, that's how I would describe it. Like a chase lounge um, maybe? Kind of. Yeah. Very similar. It's from Ikea. Okay. It was it was in that room. So I brought it up and put it in the office. Do you like to read or is that just like another space to kind of sit with your laptop and work? I'm not an avid reader, which sometimes I feel embarrassed to say, but I just, I, I'm such a visual learner mm. and I don't necessarily like fiction. So I, YouTube videos are my jam. So watching YouTube but, videos that recap books would be the way to get that information. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> well, I just think like if I'm going to read a book, I'm trying to learn something. It's like on a topic. And if mm -hmm. I can't binge it in like one sitting. So like I have a lot of like half read books because like it's not like I dislike reading. It's just I'll read half a book, put it down and then forget about it because I'm like, oh, I get the point. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to be honest, there are a lot of books out there nonfiction books that could probably be 30 pages instead of 300 and get the same points across. But, you know, for publishers reasons, they want everything to be expanded on and have lots of examples and stories to back everything up. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, but I really enjoy drawing. 
I don't think I'm like great at it. Like I used to do some illustration work back in the day, but now I, I don't I don't ever get paid for that. So it's it's a fun thing to do that mm, I don't have a, a lot of pressure to like perform. And I actually really like that. I don't I don't ever really want that to be something I'm trying to get paid for regularly. It's for you, right? It's a way for you to express yourself and kind of do something different creatively without the pressure to perform. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, gotten really into like learning how to draw people, which is so hard. Like you'd think Mm. it'd be like, oh, we see people every day, but like getting the proportions right and like having it not look wonky. (laughs) It's not easy. Any other hobbies? Like you mentioned, are you the one who's doing pottery? Yes. Yeah. So that is definitely a hobby. The unfortunate thing about pottery is that You can only make so many things for yourself. So you're kind of forced to monetize it. Otherwise, I would just have like a garage full of pots (laughs) that I don't need. But once you fire it, if you don't like it, you just destroy it. Or I guess I could like donate some stuff. But I won't lie, the side cash is kind of nice. I Mm. I rarely do drops, but I'm hoping once I get my little studio downstairs set back up, I'll get more active. I try to make like a kiln load worth of stuff at a time because I need to like take pictures of them and post them on my website. And then I'll just be like, oh, I've got some stuff. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> and I just While available. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just do like small batch pottery. My mom buys a lot of my pots. Thanks, mom. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you're turning into like me where I have too many and I don't know what to do with them. Like you got to stop buying them. Yeah. What if somebody else yeah. wanted to buy those? But Thanks. Right. And I'm also like, I would give these to you. Like you don't have to buy them, but she loves supporting me. So oh, it's, it's nice. Yeah. Can you describe for us your role as a senior product designer? Right. So I primarily focusing on design systems. So, you know, some product designers are in the in the trenches designing the product, which I do, but I'm currently focused on design systems. So my audience or customer or user, you could say, are the designers Mm -hmm. designing the product. So I will build out the foundations, the component libraries, which is all of the little, like the buttons, the inputs, the cards, the the stuff the designers shouldn't be making over and over again. It's just a waste of time to have to do it and just to make sure the product itself remains consistent. Yeah. So working on design systems, how is that different than when you started or what maybe you imagined you would be doing at this point? I never really thought I would be working on design systems because if you would have asked me a few years ago, like what a design system was, I wouldn't have been able to give you a very good, accurate answer. Like I knew what it was and I got the concept of it, but I didn't know how deep that kind of like career path or subject matter went. To me, like what I thought of a design system was honestly just like a UI kit that Mm. you'd start with. But the more I got into the product space, I realized how much I love just like digital organization. Like I thought it was so neat that you could just have a system that like works for you to help you design faster, to ship faster, and how simple it could seem on the surface for your users using it, but also how complex it can get. So the problems you're solving can be really challenging. How would you describe the differences between a UI kit and a design system? 
Um, a UI kit I would describe as it lives in Figma. It's or you know whatever tool you're using um, to design your product in. It's not living in code anywhere. It's just something you're using to get you started, get you a little jump start. A design system, however, for every component you make, there is an engineer you're collaborating with that has developed it, and it's living in code somewhere. So that way it's more accurate when, you know, designers know if they're using this button that that's how it's coded already. Or a UI kit doesn't have that layer to it. And there's nothing wrong with working with a UI kit um, because essentially you could, if you're creating a design system from scratch, you're kind of starting with a UI kit. I mean, it hasn't been developed yet. They're also really powerful to use, but there's also like Storybook. I haven't used their plugin for Figma yet, but I think it will actually preview the component that's built in code for you to also reference in Figma. Webflow's official Figma to Webflow plugin has just launched. So anyone who's listening, go check that out. It lets you convert auto layout designs in Figma and just copy and paste those directly into Webflow. And yeah, your styles and your elements everything are brought over. I'm really excited to try it out. That looks really awesome. The second thing I want to shout out is you actually have worked on a library that is in the Webflow marketplace. Mm -hmm. Tell us us a bit about that library. For the library, that was really fun to make because in a lot of ways it was like making another design system. Um, I don't think I mentioned it. What's the name of the library? uh, Spark Library. You know, Waldo did the development on it and we didn't have a lot of time to make it. So we just like hammered out like over a hundred components. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then I actually have been using it on some personal stuff or even with Forge just to, you know, make building faster. So it's like, oh, I need a contact form. Let me just go look up that component and throw it in. It's great if you do just need some base to start with and then edit from there. And it's even better if you have no idea what you're doing doing. If you know how to navigate to like where to find the components, you can easily just build an entire website not knowing how to use Webflow in depth. That's pretty cool. So Spark Library launched at Webflow Conf in November of 2022, this past year. Libraries allow you to get these smaller reusable sections or layouts, right? I've used some of the Spark Library and I'm a fan. I like the style. It's actually got a little bit of opinion to it rather than some of the some of the other libraries, which are very more kind of generic use. So check out the Spark Library if you want something that gives you a, a nice starting point. What excites you and motivates you about doing design system work? Again, just like how high level it can be and also how detailed it can be. At one point, you might be negotiating with stakeholders about why it's effective to begin with and working with designers and engineers in their product areas, solving for a specific use case. You're juggling a lot. Yeah, that's just exciting to me. There's always, I feel like there's just always something new to learn. So that's what's getting me excited about it. Design systems are always bringing up new challenges and complexities to work through. What is a resource that you think more people should know about? If you see me on Twitter, I'm constantly probably tweeting about the tokens, the studio tokens plugin to make more like headless design systems that are themable. So the company has multiple brands or multiple products they're putting out. They can use the same design system and re-theme it according to that brand. And that's a Figma plugin? Yes. Yeah. And so that that plugin gives you the ability to, well, one, use tokens to apply styles and then re-theme for different brands very easily. Like you can turn, 
your light mode designs into dark mode. They don't have to worry about like changing each individual color or even like swapping a component to a dark mode. So yeah, I would just shout them out. Who in the Webflow community inspires you? Jose Ocondo. I worked with him at Whiteboard. I could build Webflow sites before, you know, when I was freelancing, but just like he is probably one of the kindest people I've met and he's obsessed with Webflow and is so good at it. Knows a lot of the best practices. So just like being around him and he does have a Skillshare class and a YouTube channel. The stuff he does have there is gold. Absolutely. Really Anytime cool. Jose posts something, I know it's going to be a good, valuable resource to, to save. What is some advice that you would like to share with others in the community? Probably just to stay curious. That sounds a bit cliche, but I think that's what has helped me level up in my career is using Webflow as an example. Like you get a client comes to you with a, a feature they want, but you're not exactly sure how to do it. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're not the right fit for the project. Just be curious and decide that you're, you're going to learn how to do it. Be confident in your ability to figure it out. And even when you find the right solution, think like, okay, well, what's another way I can build this? And then figure that out. And then that way you have two solutions, if not more, and you know the pros and cons of doing mm -hmm. either or. And then you can present that to your client who, or whoever you're working with and help them decide. So yeah, just stay curious. Thanks for joining me today, Katie. If anyone would like to reach out and connect with you, how could they do that? On Twitter, handle is Katie Cooper Co. Yeah, DM me, tweet at me. You can also go to my website, katiecooper.co. But yeah, those, I'm most active on Twitter. And I love helping people out. So like, don't be shy. This was an Overflow episode with Katie Cooper, produced by the Webflow community team with music by Joseph McDade. To learn more about the Webflow community, please visit webflow.com slash community. I've been your host, Matthew Munger. Thanks for listening.